Well, I want to thank uh, Lewis and the church here at Ripley for their work. We don't know there's a lot of work going on to have this. Also, thank God for every one of you men that are here, because I know you put forth effort to be here, and I'm glad that you wanted to do that, so I pray the Lord for that. I ask for your prayers. I've been preaching 51, 55 years, over 55 years. I know more than ever that I can't have a lick of a snake without the blessing of the Lord, so I hope you'll pray for us to have the Holy Spirit. I've got a great subject. It's uh, loving one another. I've got a paper I've written on this, which I won't actually read it, but I'm going to glean from this paper. So if you want a copy of this, I'll know I'll leave something out. I hate to leave anything out. I know I'll leave something out when I get through it. I wish I had said that. But if you want a copy, if you'll come see me and give me your email address, I'll mail it to you. Loving one another. And let me make a few preliminary comments before I get down to it. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to love one another. It really is. If it weren't, we wouldn't have any trouble in our churches at all, in our families, but it's hard to love one another. We've got to do it anyway. Brother Jimmy Barber, I talked to him on the phone. He's kind of bad off right now with some sickness, so I'll be praying for him. But uh, he asked me on the phone, but they said, what, what, if you were asking, uh, had to say, what's the most important reason we should love one another, what would you say? We got to think about it. So I think the most important thing is that we glorify God if we do that. Everything we do ought to be the glory of God. That's the motive that'll help us to do what we ought to be doing. Paul said he wishes the Lord would be magnified in his body living a life or by death. So we glorify the Lord, we love each other. Another statement I want to make is this. Um, you know, heaven is full of love. What do you think it is? God's there. and said God is love. So you know what a church should be? It'll be a little heaven on earth. They're not really totally, but they are to some extent. But our goal ought to be to strive. Our churches are like little heavens on earth. If they're filled with love, that's what they'll be. So we got to work at that. And then for another preliminary comment, uh, there's a Bill Gaither type song. I don't know who wrote it, whether Gaither wrote it or not, but I like the song a lot. It's called, I Am Loved, I Am Loved. I can risk loving you. I'm loved. I'm loved, I can risk loving you. If we know God loves us, we can love each other. You know that? So what you need to do is to sit before God and know he loves you. And you can love anybody. So I'm, I'll, you all listen to that song. I'm loved, I'm loved, I can risk loving you. All right. Let's get on down to it now and hope you'll be in prayer. Loving one another is imperative for a Christian. It is not an option. We've got to love each other. The last, this is so important that the last night Jesus Christ spent with his disciples, he taught them this. And he also showed them by example washing their feet. Well, the last night he spent with his disciples, and you know, the last word a man gives, pretty important words. So here's what he said in John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give you, I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This shall all men look your disciples if you have love one to another. Okay, look, the world even loves itself, right? This has got to be a different kind of love. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. I want to give two examples. Uh, I was a graduate student at the University of Memphis and uh, a graduate assistant. I had a friend that was also a graduate student called Phil Hewitt. And uh, so my daddy died in 1965 while I was going to school. And so Phil Hewitt, who was not even a believer, came to the funeral home. And he observed my friends who comforted me. He said, I've never seen love like this. He'd been around a lot of funerals. I've never seen love like this. There's some kind of love, my friend, that stood out. By this, all men know you're about a disciple if you have love one to another. And then another example I want to tell you, that Grace Chapel, 
uh, we had a sister named Doris Billingsley there. Sister Billingsley, just a good old sister, uh, kind of a simple person, not anything fancy about her at all. And she uh, lived in the apartment across the street from Grace Chapel. And she had, uh, one of her grandsons had custody of him because he was a, uh, under the, uh, he's a juvenile court. Uh, had done something pretty bad. And so they let her have custody. And in those days, they had no sense. One of the things they would make you do if you had somebody in juvenile court, you had to go to church somewhere. So she came to Grace Chapel. Now, she's an, she's an Armenian. She was raised in Jack Howell's church, and you can't get any more Armenian than that. Y'all don't remember old Jack Howell. He was really an Armenian. I went up there one time to one of his conferences, and uh, it was, he's an Armenian. Don't take my word for it. So he was a real Armenian. That one time, he even claimed he fed the 5,000 loaves of fishes. He got some McDonald's fish sandwiches and spread them out, stuff like that. He knew how to get people in. And he's the kind of guy that when they took their buses, he had to have a $5 bills taped underneath some of the seats. So the, everybody come on their buses and then reach down and see if they got those $5 bills. He'll read an Armenian. Anyway, such a billion was an Armenian. Well, she came to Grace, I think, Jason, you may remember Andrew. You may remember her. But anyway, such a billion, came to Grace Chapel, not believing the truth. They loved her so much, she stuck around. She stuck around. And guess what? God showed her the doctrine of grace. She got baptized. And then later on, she had to move to Chicago. Her, her husband and I, she had to move to Chicago. We thought, well, she'll be gone. She was not gone, my dear friends. So the ability was so locked in to the doctrine of grace. She was a charter member of the church that Leroy Rhodes pastor now had four charter members. She was one of them. What got her in was love. She, we, we preached the truth in love. So listen, love attracts people. It's a kind of love. It's an unusual love. By this shall all men, or you're my disciples, because you have love one to another. In fact, I'll read you a scripture about the truth. You know, we, we believe the truth, don't we? Well, we've got to preach the truth this way. Here's how it's got to be done. This is Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We've got to speak the truth in love. I've got a negative story about that to show you how you've got to preach the truth in love. One time, Richard Creekmore, who's going to be the Lord now, a good old brother of mine and good old truck driver brother. I never drove a truck, by the way, but he's a truck driver brother, so he drove the truck. Anyway, though, uh, Richard uh, Creekmore and I, knew, we knew this man. Uh, he Richard's roommate before he got married. He lived in the same apartment. So a pretty bad preacher's son moved in. He was, he was also his roommate. Well, this pretty bad preacher's son, he knew the doctrine really well. He really knew the doctrine well. But he liked to debate the doctrine. So he's trying to cram the doctrine down this guy's throat. So this guy came to church a few times. He quit coming. So we asked him, why do you quit coming? He said, I'll tell you why I quit coming. This guy that's trying to teach me the doctrine of grace and says superior is living like a dog. He's drinking and cussing and carrying on. So my friend, he might have preached the truth and not in love. You've got to preach the truth in love. By this shall all men know your disciples because you have love one to another. All right, now listen. Uh, like I said earlier, love's not an option. Love is a commandment. I'm going to read you two or three scriptures where Jesus Christ actually commanded us to love each other. You ain't got any option. And by the way, you know this now. Love is more than a feeling. I like feelings. I like feeling a lot. I'm really an emotional person. I'm glad I am really. I sometimes hope I don't go too far, but I like it when I thank God for my emotion. I never fake my emotion, by the way. If, if, I, if I start crying, usually it's about something about the Lord. I'm glad of that. But love's not just an emotion. Love's an action. It's a sacrificial action. See? So we can love. We must love. If we're born again, we will love. I'll talk to you about that just a minute. You'll love to some extent if you're born again. I guarantee you that. All right. Let's look at these commandments now. Uh, Okay, John 15, 12. And I just got a few of these. I'm gleaning from the top. But I just want to read several to show you that the Lord Jesus Christ commanded love. We must love. 
John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. As I've loved you. Another place where the language of the command is used is in 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment that we love, that we should believe on the name of the Son of God, the Son, on Jesus Christ, the Son of Jesus Christ. Y'all pardon me for reading my eyes, not what they used to be. I had a hard time reading sometimes, even with large print. And love one another as he gave us commandment. How about that? Love's a commandment. One more example of this is found in 1 John 4.21. And this commandment have we from him, he who loveth God, love his brother. Now, you know what? Jesus Christ is not one of these kind of people that said, don't do as I do, do as I say do. He said, do as I do. Because he did. He set the example of love. He's a perfect example of love. And uh, so we believe in precept and example. Precept means teaching. Example means doing what you teach. And Jesus Christ, he, he told us the law. See, sometimes I might tell people how to do something, and then I, I don't tell them how to do it, right? That doesn't do much good. Tell them, how to do something, tell them to do something, don't tell them how to do it. Well, Christ told us to do something, showed us how to do it. So we need to examine his life and love as he loved. And, and I'll read that verse again that I started with in First John, I mean in John 13, 34. You love one another as I've loved you, that we also ought to love one another. So be, let, me, let me tell you what we're thinking to do. It'd be great. So let me give you some homework, okay? Read the Gospels again in a fresh way and look how Jesus Christ loved and we'll learn to love. Read, read, read them again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and get your notebook and see how Christ loved people. Let's follow his example. I've got a few things here that I noticed. Am I doing that? Um, a few, uh, just a few things here. Just kind of get your appetite wet at a hope. Our love, our love manifested his love to his disciples. Let's give a few ways. And so put the shoe on and see if it fits. And if it hurts you a little bit, get a few corns, get you some new shoes of love, okay? I, this hurts my feet sometimes. I don't always love like I should. But I want to love better. I hope you want to love better. I love my wife. I want to love my wife better. You, you men that are married, y'all want to do that? I want to love my wife. I want to love my wife better. I really do. I want to love my brethren better. I hadn't graduated yet. I love them, but I want to love them better. He was patient with them, was constantly relieving their fears and their misgivings. In that same 13th chapter of John, where he set the example of washing his disciples' feet. He didn't just talk about it. He showed them this great lesson. And you know, when you're washing feet, you're doing two things. One of them, you're being a servant. A lowly servant. We need to lowly serve each other. Not wanting people to serve us. That's, we, By our selfish nature, we like for people to serve us. But we can get this love, we'll want to serve people instead of them serving us. So a servant, but there's another thing too. He didn't say wash your own feet. He said wash one other feet. Have you ever talk, thought about that? That means we help each other out. Like old Paul, one of my buddies down there. Paul, sometimes he see me doing something wrong. He ought to wash my feet with a kind admonition. That's what we ought to be doing, isn't it? So we see our precious brethren getting some kind of error, maybe getting kind of uh, falling by the wayside or something. We need to wash their feet with the word of God, serving them and also helping them out as we wash their feet. All right. We need to serve each other. Let me glean here a little bit. Okay, as you're serving each other, you're not going to always want to do it. Let me give you some examples. Okay, here you are. You're doing something that's really important to you. 
you're, you're really locked into it. All of a sudden, you're interrupted by somebody that had a need. And you don't like that. We're all made that way. Don't tell me you're not. Okay, here you are engaged in something that you're really, really involved in, and you finally got some time to do it, and the phone rings at old foot. So-and-so needs some help. So you don't have to feel like it. Just do it. I've got several examples. One of them is really funny to me. Jimmy Barber, brother Dibber, Dibber Jimmy Barber, who I love much, great man of God, um, he was trying to write a book about the church. And he was working and working and working, constantly got interruptions, living by himself over there close to, to where I was. One day, he's out there working. I got a phone call from Tim Cannon. Didn't have cell phones in those days. Old Tim would always buy these old cars that wouldn't run. He didn't know how to buy a car. He bought this old jalopy, and they were taking off to Georgia, and my friend got down Mississippi about 100 miles, and the cotton picker broke down. I don't work on cars. So I go to Jimmy Barber's house. I knock on the door. I say, Brother Jimmy, Tim Cannon needs some help. Jimmy didn't say a word. But I'll tell you what happened. His face turned several different colors, white and, white and red. His teeth gritted so hard, I thought he was going to break his teeth. He went and put his coveralls on and got his toolbox and got in the car and didn't say a word down there. It took him about 45 minutes to get down there. Okay, he didn't say that to him. But he lifted the hood up. He looked up and grinned and said, I bet you John Gill couldn't do this. <laughs> he broke the ice, but he did that. And you know, my son Isaac, I'm going to pet him a little bit. He's not here tonight, but he's not the only one. Well, many of you men do this. I didn't like to study. He went to prepare his sermons. And lots of times, he in his office, really digging in. And get a phone call from somebody, need some help. I won't name names right now. I got a few guys that always won't help. I mean, I got one guy called me three or four times, they won't help. So I got to practice what I preach. I always leaves his studies, gets in his car, go to help the individual, and come back. That's what we've got to do. Love will do that, and we serve each other when we love each other, right? Okay. All right, let me see what I want to glean here. I'm going to read you. Just, let me just read you a paragraph. I'm having you glean, but I'm going to read this one. We cannot stress too much the fact that Christ set a new standard for, uh, for, for love in his life. The saints, even in Old Testament times, were exhorted to love one another. Now, this is very important. This is very important. I'm going to give you an interpretation I've got from a scripture in 1 John, and I know I'm right about it. I've had to wrestle with this for a while, but I finally, I know I'm right about this. And you'll know, too, when I get through telling you. Christ gave, even in the Old Testament, he commanded them to love each other, all right? We find even in Leviticus 19.18, that's the Old Testament. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. That commandment is called an old commandment in 1 John. But it's also called a new commandment. How in the world can be an old commandment and a new commandment at the same time? How's that going to be? All right, here we go. Let's read 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says the old and a new commandment. Brethren, John writes, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Here's the key. Because the darkness is past, the true light now shineth. You can know that. Can't you interpret that? Why the new commandment? The darkness is past, the true light now shineth. Who's that true light? Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, he told them how to do it in the Old Testament. But brother, when Christ came, a new dimension of love. 
that Jesus Christ is a perfect example of love. Nobody ever loved like him, but we all want to emulate his love, don't we? We want to love, he, he told us, I command you, you love as I've loved you. My friend, we need to do the best we can to do that, don't we? And we'll grow, we can grow in that. I'll show you in a minute. Paul prayed the church at Philippi would grow in that. They were a church full of love. Your church may be full of love. I hope it is. But my friend, we need to love even more and more and more. How pleasant it is to be around a place where love is. So that's a new, that's why it's a new commandment. It became new. All right. Now look, if we love, it's an evidence of our salvation and we ought to want the assurance of our salvation. We can't save ourselves. I'm a primitive Baptist with a capital P and a PB. I don't believe you do anything to get saved. Nothing. Nothing. Listen, I'll just give a little, uh, say something I like to say. I love every Christian. God knows I do. I love every Christian. I want to have fellowship, Christian fellowship with every Christian. On the face of this earth, in fact. Even people in weird denominations that they really love Jesus Christ. But I can't have church fellowship with all of them because you can how can two work together except they be agreed. I want to have two fellowship with every Christian. I've had some good conversations with different people in different denominations. I used to be closed-minded, by the way. I used to be kind of a bigot, but I'm not anymore. I know I'm not a bigot anymore. I want to love every child of God on the face of this earth is what I want to do. But I know that I've got to... Uh, but, but get back to my point. I, I missed my point there. Here's what we... And I want you young people to listen to this. I'm glad to be a printed Baptist. I don't, work, I, don't, I don't glorify that name, but I'm not ashamed of that name. Brethren, we preach salvation by grace, period. Most people, even sovereign great people, preach salvation by grace, comma. You can mark that down. That's the truth. Many, many people preach that, you've heard about people preaching this great sermon and mess it up at the very end. That happens all the time. All you gotta do, when you say, all you gotta do, you've already messed up. You mess, you gotta believe. You believe, alright, but you believe because, not in order to. Don't ever forget that. You can't, be, you can't believe unless you are born again. Faith is not a condition. Faith is an evidence. I'll admit it to that. I'm glad it's an evidence. If a man hasn't got faith, I'll give him no assurance at all. If a man doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, I'll give him no assurance whatsoever. But we ought to want your assurance of your salvation. Shouldn't you not? You know why you ought to want your assurance? If you know you're saved, my friend, you can face this whole world. You can face this whole world. The martyrs that died, you think martyrs died that didn't know they were saved? Would you, would you get your body burned up if you had a doubt about your salvation? We need, my friend, we, we cannot do anything about our salvation. We can do a lot about the assurance of our salvation. And one of the ways we're sure we're saved, if we love the brethren and love our God and love the brethren, then we are, the more we love them, the more assurance we get, right? Okay. It's not an option. So let's look at, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures about that. You know what? We're taught the Holy Ghost to love. We're taught the Holy Spirit to love. Even if you hadn't heard much gospel, you're going to be loving if you're a child of God. You'll love better if you hear the gospel. But until you've heard the gospel, you're still going to manifest love because love is the fruit of the Holy Ghost, according to John, I mean, uh, Galatians 5.22. Isn't that right? When the Holy Ghost enters your heart, you learn how to love. Not as much as you should, but you learn how to love. Look over in uh, 1 Thessalonians. 419, I mean 49. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Those impulses to love come from your heart, that God has placed that in your heart. Follow those impulses. 
Let's just look at a few scriptures to see if we're born of God. That I mean, if we are born of God, we love our brethren. Let's look at these. First John 3.14. We know we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth his brother abideth in death. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And I like that scripture. But you know what? This got me. One time I was living in some known sin. I won't confess what it was. God knows what it was. I was living in some known sin. I just as saved then as I was now, but I was in a bad shape. And so this scripture caught my attention. Oh, yeah, I love the brethren. That made me feel good. But boy, when I read this, it was a wake-up call. Because how do you know you love the brethren? It's not just because you have emotion toward them. We read from 1 John 5, 2, but this we know. Let's see. Let me see if I get more. By this we know. Okay, I got it. By this we know. We love the brethren. If we love God to keep his commandments. How about that? That one really got me. I wasn't keeping the commandments right then. I saw a lot. I felt good toward the brethren. I was glad to see them. But I wasn't living right. So you may say you love the brethren. Oh, I just love to be around them. But brother, if you got some sin in your life that's unconfessed, you need to get rid of that. You're not proving your love to God, your brother if you don't prove your love to God. That one really got me. All right, let's go further. Okay. One thing I would re- suggest you do if you don't want to love better, what's the love chapter? Somebody tell me what it is. Third, first Corinthians 13, right? Memorize that chapter. Work on it. I'm going to read you the 15 characteristics of love. I won't explain all of them, but I'm going to explain one of them. But wouldn't it be good if you said, Lord, I want to learn how to love better. I'm going to get over there in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to study every one of those words out. I'm going to apply them to me. I'm going to learn how to love better. That's what would be good to do. Or let me read those, those to you. There's, this is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Charity, and I put my name Zach in there sometimes. Zach suffereth long. Oops, what if I'm not suffering long? And it's kind. Is that kind? Is that kind? Charity envieth not. Oops. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Speaketh, seeketh not her own. Uh oh. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Now, that's 15 things in there. I say those a lot. I, I, I re-memorize those about every three months, this chapter. But I'm going to tell you one I want to uh, talk about a little bit. Think of no evil. And I'm going to read my paragraph on that instead of trying to paraphrase. I'm going to read this one. I'll discuss only one of these qualities of love. Thinketh no evil. What do you think that means? I want to tell you what it means. A.T. Robertson, the great American New Testament Greek scholar, writes, to count up, to take account of, as in a ledger or notebook. When we act in love, this is my word, we do not hold grudges and make a mental list of wrong things that we have done to us. We forgive and forget. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't anybody got a list? 
You probably have written. You got, anybody got a mental list? Kind of quiet here, isn't it? Love thinketh no evil. My friend, from the Lord, we need to learn to forgive and forget. Here's one thing that J. Adam said I like a whole lot. He said, uh, we should forget. So what does forgetting mean? It doesn't mean putting out your mind. You can't put out your mind. It does mean this. If I forgive you, dear brother, I'll never bring that up to you again. You say, please forgive me, brother. Yeah, I forgive you. He never brings it up again. You never talk about it to anybody else. And you don't let it dwell in your mind. If it gets in there, you get out as fast as you can. Let me say that again. What is practical forgetting? Because we ought to forget or forget. Okay, number one, I've never, how many times have, I've done this. Maybe Judy offended me. She's the best woman on the face of this earth, as far as I'm concerned. But I met her last other day. I can't resist this. I said, Judy, you've been married to me for 53 years. You still, you still believe Romans 8, 28? <laughs> she didn't laugh. She said, yeah, I believe Romans 8, 28. But you know what I've done sometimes? Maybe get in a heat of anger and bring up something she did two years ago. That should never be done. Love forgets and forgives. So let me, let me give the three again. Pretty easy to remember those three things. One of them is, I'll never bring up that individual again. Number two, I won't talk to anybody else about it. And I also will not let it dwell in my mind. That's forgetting. That's what we need to do. Okay, let's go a little further here. Oh, Peter, like way, let, I'm going to let Paul weigh in a little bit. We've been talking about old John. Let's let the other guys get in there and have a little witness for them also. Look at Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Let me read that again. Isn't it good? Be kindly affectionate. I love affection. I like when people are affectionate and kind. Their faces, their demeanor, their body language. Brethren, when we come to the house of God, we ought to love each other. and they, they, We know we love each other by the way we act. Don't have an old frown on my face. Uh, I listen, I'm affectionate. Kindly affectionate. You never know when one word you speak may turn somebody's day around. You can be feeling really bad if somebody speak a kind word to you and just change the whole demeanor. We never know where we're going to help somebody out that way, loving each other. So Paul said there again, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one before another. All right, I want to see old Peter have his chance here too. Don't cheat old Peter. Peter 3.8, and remember my brethren, the first Peter is a content of persecution. The church is under lots of pressure when they're under persecution. So when you're under when you're under pressure, you could fight each other. Sometimes in a marriage, when they have a real difficulty, they'll either make the marriage get stronger together or break it apart. I've even heard about people who lost a child and got a divorce. When we lost our baby back in 1991, we got closer together. So you got to be careful when you're going through pressure. And we may be going through a lot of pressure. You know that? If you listen to anybody on the news, you know, my friend, Christians are getting on the endangered species list. It probably will be more all the time. So we may find ourselves under pressure. So we got to really be careful and love each other under pressure. Peter said a lot about that. I think the reason he said a lot about it is he knows they need it when they're under pressure. You may have financial pressures. You may have love pressure. You may have health pressures. So when we have pressure, the devil is a dirty fighter. He tries to hit you when you're down. So be really careful to maintain love when you're under some kind of pressure. Let's read what Peter says here. 1 Peter 3 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion. Don't they like that word compassion? One of another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. I love that, don't you? All right. Okay. 
as we work on our attitude, we got to get out of where, I'm talking about attitude. Now let's get out of where the rubber meets the road on loving. Try to be practical. Uh, let me just read a few scriptures on this. Because love is going to express itself in action. Love speaks, uh, actions speak louder than words. This is humorous in a way, but I can understand it. I read in a book one time. This is back in the early 1800s. And there's a young man who married this young woman and he's just crazy about her. He's just absolutely infatuated and crazy about her. He, couldn't, he told her a hundred times a day, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Man, he was crazy about her. He didn't honeymoon love. One day she said, if you love me, she said, we need some meal in the barrel. We need some beans. You get the point? Yeah, I'm glad he told her he loved her. But my friend, love, actions speak louder than, than words, don't they? We got to prove our love by our actions. See? All right. Don't just say it. We got to do it. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of love. Now, I could give a lot. I could give a lot of you men here who have done loving acts. I know it. I'm not, it's like uh, Lewis said, we're not maybe doing anything new. We just want to sharpen our skills, right? Sharpen our Christian graces. That's what we want to do. So I want to do my own Christian graces sharpen. So I'm going to give you a few examples. Jimmy Barber again. If he's not here, I can talk about old Jimmy all to can I? Uh, Brother Jimmy Barber, my friends. Uh, one time, James Rushing, who was my cousin and also obeyed the preacher, been dead several years now, had a family. He moved to Middleton, Tennessee. He didn't have any place to live. Jimmy Barber had lived at Middleton. He, he, he had bought a mobile home. He lived there in Middleton. Uh, Jimmy got called to a church in Memphis, Tennessee. You know what he did? He gave James Allen that mobile home locked like a barrel. Didn't ask for a dime. That's an act of love. James Allen had a family. He needed a place to live. And Jimmy Barber provided him a place to live. That's an act of love. I love to tell stories like that. And my own church, and you got you do this yourself. I've got men that I couldn't, know, I couldn't make it without them. Kiefer Mitchell, one of the best deacons the world's ever seen. He takes a lot off of me. I can get on the phone and, and he'll solve a problem for me just like that. Tony Martin, I couldn't even, I, I don't know anything about a computer at all. Tony fixed it. Oh, no, I couldn't get on Chrome. He got me on Chrome about five minutes. Uh, one time my computer wouldn't even come up. Uh, he got over there in about 30 minutes that time. He fixed it. And he doesn't mind doing it. Uh, I thank God for men like that. I thank God for men like that. Okay, my wife and I, I guess old babies don't have youth ministers, but me and G were youth ministers anyway. Uh, back in our younger days, we just took kids everywhere. We took them to Harmony Hill. We took them to camp. We took them everywhere. And so I had this old Chevrolet van. I'm heading for Harmony Hill one time, and right down there in Little Rock, on Sunday, the water pump went. My car was getting hot to pull off at a service station. And this is amazing what happened. We all got some uh, blankets and left on the grass. And so heaven, this old guy came and fixed my water pump on Sunday. Didn't even charge me more than he normally would. That's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, we got to Harmony Hill late that night. Well, I didn't think anything about all that. I'm glad we could do that. Glad we could make it. Well, but people got to talking, and the, the leader was leaving it. Some other people, they were at Harmony Hill. They, they said, you know what? Brother Zach is always taking kids somewhere, isn't he? And this old van, he had to wear and plumb out. And we had a head to fix it all the way up here today. And so they, this happened. You Ripley people remember this. Remember that? So they got people all over the country to contribute. And I was dumbfounded and thrilled. And so I come up here to a Ripley church. I was over at a meeting. What, I think it's some kind of meeting. And guess what they had? A really good Dodge van for me. Ain't that something? I couldn't believe it. I used it in the service of the Lord. But I praise the Lord for that. 
One time up, at, up in Maryland, I didn't want to go to Maryland because they want to have kind of a boot camp up there, and I didn't want to go that far. I had a Ford van then. That thing would get 10 miles a gallon. Can you imagine going to Maryland 10 miles a gallon? Uh, but I went. I was a good old boy. I went. John made me go. My son, John, he knew Brother Boyd real well. I said, Daddy, you ought to go up there. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So I went. So when I went up there, Brother Boyd and I went somewhere in his Buick. He had this Buick. I like Buick. I never had a Buick, but I like him. So I, made, I told him, I said, boy, this is a nice car. I wasn't, so help me God, on the King James Bible right there, I wasn't trying to get anything. I probably wasn't. <laughs> but uh, so the next day, Brother Boyd said, you like his car? I said, yeah, he said, it's yours. I said, what? I found out what he did in those days. He had drive a car pretty many miles, and then he had, he had uh, trade. So he decided, let me have the thing. Isn't that amazing? Brother, a lot of y'all have done stuff like I know you have. Let's keep on doing it. Let's keep on doing it. I'm glad at Grace Chapel, thank God we got a generous church, and we had some generous deacons. Now, they couldn't be generous if they didn't have the money. So the people give the money, and the deacons always have open hearts, not too, I mean, open-minded hearts. Not long ago, we put a roof on a guy's house. He's poor Joe's little turkey. That's pretty poor. My dad used to say that. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds bad, just poor Joe's turkey, don't it? But my friend, we, they put a roof on a guy's house. Right now, right now, today, we got a car hauled in to an old, we found this old it was going to cost a thousand dollars to put this timing belt on this guy who's really poor. He's poorer than Joe Turkey, if that could be possible. And not long ago, we put a battery in his car and we put an alternator in there. And then the time, timing belt fixed to break and run the whole thing. So it's going to cost a thousand dollars. And Noah found an old shade tree mechanic who's really good, did it for 500 bucks. So I hope when I get back home, he'll have one of those. But isn't it fun to do stuff like that? Carl Wilde, where's he at, man? I know, tell him what kind of stuff. He got donated to different places. They worked his step to death. Many of you brothers have done the same thing. Thank God. That's loving one another. That's loving one another. We need to do more of that. Claude Ewing, a legend among old Baptists for generosity. Y'all know Brother Claude. Let me tell you one story about him. Jimmy Barber again. I keep remembering Jimmy Barber. Okay. Jimmy Barber is driving this Ford. And he's going to some meeting in Kentucky. He comes home and gets about... 40, 50 miles home, and the engine blows up on him. Well, he gets hauled in to this garage where he knew he used to work in a garage. He had a pretty good mechanic. And so uh, Brother Claude didn't know about that. But Brother Claude always giving generous gifts. So when Jimmy got home, he found a check in his mailbox. He catch it, had just enough parts, and Jimmy rebuilt that motor. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Jimmy knew how to rebuild motors. Let me tell you about that. Now, I'll help you one time. One kind of, a guy named Jeff Lincoln, lived in Clinton, Kentucky. He came up to visit us. He had this little car, some kind of a cheap little car. I forgot what it was. But anyway, it blew a timing belt. And the whole top of the engine was messed up. The rod, the rod vent and all that kind of stuff. So I played a part in that. Here's my part. If we did it in the rain, Jimmy rebuilt the motor. I had a tarp over me holding over both of us. That's my part. Well, my back got sore, but, I could, but we got that thing fixed. So it's fun, my friend, to love each other in a practical way. All right. Let me say one more thing about love also. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will talk to us about people who have needs. We need to listen carefully to the Spirit. So here's an example I had one time. This thrilled me what happened, how God used me this time. Uh, okay, I'm reading the Bible one day. I get around Luke about the disciples that uh, when the Jesus Christ, you know, they know who he was. And so they said, didn't our heart burn within us while we were with him in the way? I remember that many, many years ago, many years ago, Elis Randall preached a sermon at Grace Chapel on, God, on God's heartburn. It was a great sermon. I remember that. I didn't know if Elis was still alive. So I got my PB directory out, and there was Elis Randall in there. So I called this old lady after. 
And uh, I said, uh, Sister So-and-so, this is Brother Zach Guest. Is Elis Randall still alive? She said, Elis, she said, Brother Zach wants to know if you're still alive. Well, he came to the phone. I reminded him of that sermon. Well, two weeks later, his wife called me and said, Brother Zach, you'll never know what that meant to Elis. He just died. I'm glad I followed the impulse of the Holy Ghost. When God puts something on your heart, do it. I'm glad I can be a comfort to that precious brother because I followed the, 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 the leadership of the Holy Ghost. All right. Okay, let's see here. Let me say, brethren, don't be complacent in this love. Don't be complacent in this at all. We, we don't need to think we've arrived. We don't need to think we've arrived at all. Because we haven't. We need to work and work at this loving one another. I'm going to read you a paragraph here. Sometimes I just want to read the paragraph. Sometimes I can say it. So I'm summarizing what I've been talking about, okay? In summary, if we love our fellow Christians, we will be very kind and patient with them. We'll quickly forgive for wrongs and will eagerly seek reconciliation with them if we have become estranged. If we see them go astray, we will lovingly and kindly try to get them back on the right track. Now that sometimes you can be, you may, you need to have some tough love. There's, that's love too. You know that. I talked to a brother this last week, and I had to say some tough stuff to this brother. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So sometimes we go, we got to wound each other. If we really love somebody, they're, they're on the wrong track. We'll tell them about it. It's a loving thing to do, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a loving thing to do. If I see a brother going off the deep end, he makes a ruin his life. I don't warn him. I don't love him. It's hard to do that sometimes. Let me tell you what happened one time. There was a young lady in a church when I pastored at Whitehaven many, many years ago. And she was really getting in a mess. So I went and talked to her. Boy, she got mad at me. She said, this is turning me off. I mean, she was pretty belligerent and disrespectful. I said, let me tell you something. If I'm walking by your house in the morning, and I see smoke coming out of the chimney, I mean, out of the roof, and the thing is burning up, I can say, well, I hate to wake her up and make her mad. But, brother, when she found what I woke up, she'd be glad. So I'd sit there, what I'm doing, I'm, your house is burning. So you might want to use that sometime. She calmed down a little bit when I said that. I said, you're in trouble, and I'd hate to wake you up. But your house is on fire. We may do it sometimes. All right. So sometimes we have tough love. If we see them go astray, we will will it lovingly and willingly, I mean kindly try to get them back on the right track. We'll follow the injunction I just told you about faithless road to a friend. We will fervently pray for them. That's an act of love is praying for each other. An act of love. Brethren, prayer are more than a prayer you can imagine. I'm writing a book on prayer. I wish you'd pray for me. It's a bunch of essays on prayer. I'm really stirred up about prayer right now. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth finish it. Much. We'll be available when they need to talk or to have a shoulder to cry on. We need to be alert to see maybe they wouldn't even want to talk to us unless we reached out first to them. We need to watch each other's faces. I remember Joel was in prison. And you'd think he's thinking about himself. But he noticed the beggar and the butcher, I mean the, the uh, butler, had funny looks on their faces. What's wrong? Brother Bradley told me when he used to be a manager of a large real estate company, he was kind of sitting at his desk by the door, watch the men come in, watch their faces they came in, because there may be somebody who needs some help. I get so self-absorbed sometimes, I don't do that, but I don't want to do that. When I go to church, I'll say, Lord, help me watch my brethren and look at them and see if there may be a need somewhere. I help meet that need. 
Don't wait they come to me. Let me go to them. That's one thing I used to love about Brother Billy Lawrence, who's also been going to be the Lord. He's always watching for somebody to help. We'll be vitally interested in their welfare. We'll be, we will think of each other. We'll call or visit those who are lonely. A lot of lonely people in the world. Widows and widowers and others are lonely. I've been blessed with a big family. I, I'm not lonely. I'll tell you what I did not long ago. I called Jimmy Barber and I begged his forgiveness. I said, Brother Jimmy, forget. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I know you've been living by yourself for a long time and I haven't been calling you a whole lot. I call him every now and then. I'm calling him every day now. I don't say you got to call somebody every day, but I got to call him every day, right? He living by himself for years and years. He used to get so lonesome, he'd go down to Crystal and sit there and read the Bible just to have some people around him. Or he'd turn the radio on some house to have some noise. Now, I don't know if any of y'all are there or not, but we need to realize there are people that might be, may be lonely. Somebody may, may have lost a loved one, lost a companion. We need to be watching out for each other and be aware of each other. Sometimes just a word or a look will turn to life from despair to hope. That's the truth. That's the proof. I got to tell this story. I think I told this story maybe the last time I hear, but I'll tell it again. Uh, Sister Harlene is my wife's aunt. She had a divorce. Her husband was a, a scoundrel. And he left her. And she was just miserable. And so she decided to commit suicide. So she went down to Little Rock to a really nice hotel. And so you know, she, she decided, well, before I do it, I'm going to go down to the coffee shop and get my last cup of coffee. Going to take some pills. Well, while she's sitting there drinking that coffee, some lady walked up to her and said, Honey, your face doesn't look right. What's wrong? She spilled her guts and saved her life. You may do the same someday. We don't know what people are going through. I used to have a slogan on my wall. I lost it. It said something like this. Be nice to everybody. Everybody is fighting something. And brother, that's the truth. We're all fighting something. We're sinners. We're sinners. We have troubles. We need to watch out and help each other in our troubles and bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. So now, let me close with this. Uh, two scriptures I'll give you about not being uh, complacent. First Thessalonians 3, 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Isn't that great? I'll read that again. That's a great scripture. I like that word abound, don't y'all? I mean a bunch of it. Like waves coming in. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, if we do toward you. The Apostle Paul did say this. I think I can quote it probably. I love this prayer in first in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And he wanted their love to abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You may be a proof that they're excellent. You may be sincere until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, the Lord and praise of God. To see the church that fell upon full of love. He had very little criticism of the other. A couple of sisters had a little problem, but very few rebukes did he give them, like he did the Galatians and the Corinthians. So they're full of love. Apostle, I'm not satisfied, folks. Let, let your love abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. May God bless all of us, my friend, to love each other more. Let's love one another as Christ loved us.